Hello, my name is Marie Bizet-Lilig. I come from academia. I am associate professor of Chinese studies in a French university. And both teaching and research have driven me to use and wonder about the benefits and limits of digital tools in general and artificial intelligence in particular. Hello, everyone. I'm uh, Nicolas. Uh, together with Marie, we're running this, this podcast. And uh, uh, during the day, I, am, uh, I work in a bank on the technology side uh, in Sweden. And I'm also active in different foundations regarding the advancement of AI, uh, which is why I'm interested in, in the Filia project. Uh, and Marie, what is the Filia project? Filia is an association of people who wonder about the humanistic challenges of artificial intelligence. We believe that AI are AIs are influenceable by nature and that it is up to us, to all of us, to educate and cultivate them. So in this series of podcasts, where this is the first one, uh, we try to, to have a, a view of from, from different angles regarding AI and not a classical technical uh, and engineering view of the AI maker, but rather uh, the blending of technology and humanities. Uh, and this first uh, podcast is and first interview is, uh, is extremely interesting because we are meeting with Thomas Bjorkman. Thomas Bjorkman is a former banker who uh, since uh, more than 10 years has been involved in uh, philanthropy and philosophy work. He has started a number of foundations like Equeret in Sweden and Perspectiva in London. And he has published a number of books uh, where the two major and latest ones are the Nordic Secret, uh, which is a view of why the Nordic countries have been successful in the, in the last centuries uh, in adapting to the changing of society. And the latest one is the world we create, which is a, a magnus opus on uh, uh, the changes in history uh, that, are, that have also changed the way individuals are. And I would say, and you will discover it in the podcast, that the central thesis for Thomas is, is the combination and the interaction between the personal development and society development. And especially when it comes to AI, this is, this is of, of, of extreme importance. Um, as you will see, this is an interview that is wide ranging between philosophy and, and more practical, uh, uh, even funny things regarding how to, to work with an AI. I personally like to hear that an AI should be like an accountant. Uh, I thought it was a very energetic interview uh, and very engaged from, from the three of us. Uh, I hope you enjoy it as much as we did. Let's give the floor to Thomas Bjorkman now. Hello, welcome to our new podcast. Today, our guest is Thomas Bjorkman. My name is Marie. And my name is Nicolas. Hello, Thomas. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank, Hello. thank you for having me on your podcast. It's, uh, it's great to have you here. Uh, you are one of, the, of, of my personal uh, um, leading thinkers. Uh, but uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure that our viewers know who you are in the, in the French market. Could you just give a brief introduction of your rich and amazing life? No, yeah, sure, sure. So um, um, I'm Swedish, but I've been living for the last uh, 25 years outside Sweden, first 15 years in Geneva and, and now 
10 years in, in London. Uh, originally, I'm, I'm a natural scientist, studied mathematics and uh, physics at university and thought that I might become a, a, a professional scientist. But for various reasons, I decided on a career in business. And I started a number of uh, companies and organizations, uh, three major ventures in IT, in property and in banking. Um, when I had the opportunity to sell my banking business 10 years ago, uh, I took some time off to think about what to do with the second half of my life. And I decided that I wanted to set up a foundation in Sweden, the Oak Island Foundation, Ekfärdet, um, to really look into the relationship between our personal inner growth and societal change. To give to our viewers just a, just a flavor of the central theme, which I think is really interesting when we're going to talk a little bit more about how it links up to, uh, to uh, um, AI. Um, uh, can you give without? Uh, can you can you give our viewers some kind of of, of envy or or uh, incentive to to want to buy it and maybe read yeah. it in, in yeah. English? Yeah, yeah, and it's actually available in 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 audiobook form format uh, with illustrations, free free on YouTube. So you don't need to pay to get access to to the. To the content. No, just uh, jokingly, no, the idea there is really to, to zoom out and get a real bird's eye perspective of where we are right now. And uh, looking back into the, starting by looking back really into the deep history. Uh, and when I'm talking about deep history, I'm actually going all the way back to, to the birth of humanity, but also further back to the birth of, of the universe and looking at the the forces that has been driving the evolution of first the universe, then life on Earth, then humans, and then human society. And to see that there are forces and patterns that constantly repeat itself and are in play. And that this journey of 13.8 billion years can really be viewed as a complex self-organizing dynamic system that sometimes comes to these very important bifurcation points where evolution can either have a systemic breakthrough to reorganize on a, on a more complex but often more elegant way of organizing or the system faces a, a breakdown which could then set the evolution back a couple of hundred years or a couple of hundred million years, depending on where, where we are in the evolution. And I think, and, and that's my argument in, in, in the world we create, that we are not the least due to the very rapid technological development that we are seeing right now. And we could come back to that. And of course, uh, AI plays a very important role in that rapid technological development. But due to the rapid technological development, we have come to a point where our present way of organizing uh, society uh, cannot just be improved incrementally, but that we have come to one of these phase shift points or bifurcation points. And uh, as these phase shifts are very often emergent, 
meaning that we will see new properties that we haven't seen before and that the result after a phase shift like this cannot really be determined by just looking at what the world is looking like now. That will be completely new phenomena. So we cannot foresee and we cannot plan and we cannot manage this phase shift that we are in. But I believe that we can support, facilitate and support and increase the odds for us as humanity to have a breakthrough rather than a breakdown. I should then add that I, I believe that a first person perspective on this is also very important. And that has also got its connections to artificial intelligence. Yes. That in this shift, it's not just a shift in the outside world. It's also a shift in consciousness, whatever we mean by, by that. And we can try to unpack that perhaps a, a, bit, a bit later. But it's very important to also have this first person perspective of our intelligence, our consciousness, and be aware of the fact that consciousness and our mind can evolve. So that's an important aspect. And then on top of that, you need also to understand that from the emergence of society a couple of 10,000 years ago, society was also, and culture was also a new emergent phenomenon with its own ontology. So society and culture is really something between the natural world and our consciousness, because humans are unique in that way. And again, connections to artificial intelligence, humans are unique in the way that we can come up with our own internal ideas. We can communicate them to other people but we can also embed them in language and in culture. And once they are embedded in language and culture and even societal institutions, then they take on a life on their own. So you can say that we as humans, we create culture and society, but then culture and society creates us, forms us. We form culture, culture forms us. And that interplay is, is very important. And, it's, um, that is the reason for the title of the book, The World We Create, realizing and really taking responsibility for the fact that we as humans are act very active co-creators of our human world, which is to 80 or 90% uh, a human construct and could be different. And there my, my um, favorite example is of course, the market which we often want to look at and try to look at as a natural phenomena, trying to model it as a natural phenomena, when the market, of course, is a, is a human construct, is a social construct that could be very different. Uh, we have been talking about the potential influence of uh, intel in artificial intelligence, but let me get back to a, a fundamental question, which is how would you define this uh, artificial intelligence? And, uh, how do you think we could uh, frame it uh, so as to prepare for a breakthrough rather than a breakdown? Hmm. Yeah, so uh, for me, the first question that I would, would be, 
if we are looking at um, artificial intelligence uh, as a tool, um, is there really a qualitative break somewhere when it comes to the development of other human tools? We, we have been developing tools for, for perhaps 200,000 years. And during the last 50 years, we have been developing more and more intelligent uh, data processing tools. When do, we, when do we start to talk about artificial intelligence? If, if we go back 100 years, many of the things we already had today, I mean, like, like the smartphone, people would probably 100 years ago, if you would, if you would ask uh, Nietzsche, he, he would say that this is artificial intelligence. So we, we, we are slowly moving into something new. But will there be a point where we will have a, a sharp break? Or will we just be inventing more and more clever informational processing tools that can take over more and more of our tasks? And again, this is probably uh, replacing at least one secretary for me and probably more people. So we are already <laughs> using these information processing tools to, to replace uh, humans. That's so are we, are we already in this artificial intelligence or what would be demanded for us to really see a huge shift? And then of course, on the other side, so that, that's coming from the history. If we move into the future, we could of course say that if we if we listen to thinkers like uh, Kurzweil or, or other that are talking about a singularity, that, that we might come to a point in the future, and that could be in, in, in the near future, or it could be further on in the future, where uh, uh, artificial intelligence has, or these humans' tools, have reached a sophistication that is clearly above the human level of uh, functioning. It's clearly above human level of functioning and has come to a place where the artificial intelligence has taken over the, the drive and the evolution of, of complexity and thinking and in innovation and humans have been surpassed. Um, so, where are we on that? that? That has certainly not happened, but we are certainly far, far away already in, into this artificial intelligence era. Uh, but I personally think, my, my answer to that would be that I think that we will for quite a while be uh, on the incremental uh, development journey, meaning that we will have more and more uh, efficient pro information processing tools that we will call artificial intelligence that will be able to uh, help us human to um, or take over from us humans more and more firstly mainly mundane information processing uh, uh, functions so i'm i'm uh, just like nicola i'm, I'm an ex-banker nicola you're a banker just looking at my old industry, you know, very, very rapidly, we, we will see 
all the back office functions and already many of our back office functions have already been replaced by data systems. It was not that long ago since the banks were manually doing the ledgers. You know? uh, and, and when I say not that long ago, I mean, uh, that, that was still during my, during my lifetime. It might be before I started as a banker, but I was certainly uh, alive when the banks were running manual labors and, and doing the calculation of interest more or less by hand or on manual machines. So, so re already now we have re replaced a lot of the back office work. But I don't think that it's going to be that long until more asset management functions and uh, giving advice or even servicing clients will be taken over by artificial intelligence. But we are still then in, in, in the field of just human uh, tools. Uh, you seem to have a, a very utilitarian view of the of artificial intelligence is there a turning point mm -hmm. when the extension mm. of the human tool that is artificial intelligence going from the mosquito type of level which is the, mm. the, the 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 calculator to the to the more human is there a is there a turning point that will be a crisis or or do you think that this is a continuum and then we will wake up one day and this artificial intelligence that we talk about has just taken over mm. or i mean how do you view that change yeah. and also uh, what it does to we, us yeah and and and, we, and will it happen or can we control it can we be in control and and yes i uh, i have a utilitarian view on this because i think that's where we are right now we are we are doing artificial intelligence and we are developing artificial intelligence because of its utility we, we, we don't have any other sort of goal with developing artificial intelligence than that it will be useful for us humans. Then the question is if something will happen, so we, we will lose control. But there is, there is no project from what I understand that are, that's doing artificial intelligence for any other reason. I mean, it will, might be business uh, utility or war utility or other utility, but it will it's still developed for utility. We are not, we are not doing it because we, we would love to create a new life form for its own value or something like that. But then, uh, th then the danger is, of course, if um, we in this um, utilitarian pursuit would release forces or processes that 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 would run out yeah yeah that that would be developing uh, without our uh, uh, control and and um, i i think that the main question there is um if we are not really uh, projecting a bit too much of our own uh, anthropocentric view of uh, intelligence and believing that that if if we would invent uh, an information processing capability 
that would um, be of the level of the human mind, that that information processing capability would somehow then automatically have human characteristic. Uh, a little bit like, a like, like when we invented religion. Uh, and, and my book, The World We Create, has the subtitle From God to Market, indicating that, yes, we, we invented religion. And we did that for a, a utilitarian reasons. It was good for society to have religion. But then, of course, when, when we have this God, we, we projected all these human uh, capacities or images because we, we, we thought that that's the way a God would like. And, and we said that God created us in his image, but of course it was the, the, the other way around. And, and then the question is, if we are not doing the same now with artificial intelligence, that we can see this powerful thing, powerful information processing capacity. And of course, we then project our human uh, uh, both uh, virtues, but, but also our vice onto that. And we as humans, we, we, we have been programmed by nature for survival and power and all of that. But an, intel but an artificial intelligence wouldn't necessarily um, have those uh, traits if we didn't uh, program it with that to start with. That would be my view. Uh, but um, as you said, Thomas, uh, religion was created by man, but then, uh, or so we can, can think of it. But, that's um, my, my hypothesis. That's, yeah, yeah, but... Yes. Um, <laughs> Uh, but, but it's but it's uh, it's it's been very influential and yes, uh, and yes. how many people uh, had a hand on on religion uh, on its influence on society and 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 behavior yeah. and, and the same for the market as you said yeah. market is is considered a natural phenomenon when it is a creation of man yeah. and we have to uh, go by the laws of market otherwise we're wrong we're bad we have a bad behavior because stealing is bad right so so as individuals and i think this is the same with artificial intelligence yeah it could slip we could, we could produce that, a tool that that slips yeah. out of our hands yeah right? but also if, if we look at the market as individuals we just need to respect the market forces but as a collective we can change that and i think it's the same with artificial intelligence that, that collectively we are right now in control of artificial intelligence. And I think that just as it's so difficult for us humans to come together as humanity to change the fundamentals of the market, if we do not come together as humanity and take control over the artificial intelligence and we form it into our service, but instead let different forces some business, some governmental forces, whatever, in competition, be developing artificial intelligence. Then out of that competition, very bad things can happen. And, and, and that's when this can go out of hand. But even in the benign case, say that we, we can just use artificial intelligence as a benign human um, uh, force, then of course, 
this will have completely radical implications of our society. And how we will tackle those complications will depend on, again, our worldview. So I'm, I'm completely convinced that, say, in already 10 years, definitely 20 years, we will not have to, as individuals in our society, be working 40 hours a week, 40 years of our life. And that is, of course, that should be good news because that is freeing up our time to do other things than bookkeeping or calling clients or whatever we are doing today. But if we are looking at this through the lens, through the old lens of the employment market, say, what we will see then is, of course, massive unemployment. And then from that lens, we might have to pay out a lot of unemployment benefit. And we will have a huge part of, of the human population living on unemployment benefits, while some tech companies are accumulating all the profits. And that's not a benign future for humanity, even if the artificial intelligence is still there benign, so to say. It's not going rouge on, on humans. Mm. But then add, add on that the potential of artificial intelligence to go benign, go rouge on humans on top of that, then we are in sort of at least double jeopardy. And my argument in, in my book, even if I'm not doing that perhaps explicitly from an artificial intelligence point of view, is that in order for us to be able to meet these challenges, we really need to develop our capacity for collective agency. So the last hundred years we have been in the West so good at, at understanding, promoting and developing individual, uh, individual capacity to, to act, individual agency and individual freedom. But this freedom that we can only access as a collective, for example, the freedom to change the functioning of the market or to harness the potential of artificial intelligence for the benefit of humanity. That is a collective agency. That is an agency that we can only exercise collectively. And I think that, for example, the, the environmental crisis that we are in right now shows how difficult it still is for humanity to come together and exercise collective, collective agency. So I think that that is part of uh, the general problem right now, whether we're looking at the environment or artificial intelligence or, or whatever it, it, it is, how can we as humanity exercise collective, collective agency? And if we just step back one level from that, in order for us to even be able to agree on collective action, we need to be able to do collective sense-making. And right now in society, our ability to, to do collective sense-making is actually breaking down when that really need to, should have been on, on, on meteoric rise at the moment. So that, there I'm pessimistic. But, but the, my pessimism is more from, from, from human failure rather than artificial intelligence rapidly taking over. 
and that we agree on. I think one of the premises for, for filia or association is, is to democratize uh, uh, the use and even the, the, I mean, to, to put the artificial intelligence back into the end of the, of the people. We are not as advanced as you are talking about collective intelligence, but I, I, at least I think it is one of the first steps is that the, a, lot of, a lot of individuals and people view artificial intelligence as something outside and uncontrollable and and we are trying to find ways to democratize that and to to reappropriate and i our belief is that it's it it has to be done both as you say on the collective level but also starting at the individual level because the 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 the, the relationship you have or you and i have with our artificial intelligences around us is what gives the model of ownership because if it's somebody else if you if you as you said if a, a government and big corporation starts to use it as as a tool and only as a tool that that becomes difficult so i mean in terms of interaction being able to push that agenda of collective intelligence and democratization if you go, if you go back to your i mean how what would you like to have as if it's control mechanisms, if you, if you view the AI as a peer or as a colleague, or is it regulation? What mechanism should we think about in the AI context to be able to accelerate this democratization? Because mm -hmm. you, I, I personally, and that's something that we can discuss as well, but I think that some AIs are the cause of this breakdown that you talk about the AIs, the algorithms implemented in the social media contribute to a much less democratized uh, uh, worldview because of that. So how do you- And do also that? the breakdown, and also the breakdown of, of, of sense-making sense in, in society, because these algorithms are, are not optimized for sense-making, but they are uh, optimized for revenues for the platforms. And-, and uh, it's it's quite obvious that that uh, to optimize for for the revenues for these platform is not to optimize for nor uh, collective sense making uh, nor uh, cohesion in society. The, the, these platforms are, and that's I guess everyone is realizing that are very 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 yeah. divisive, very divisive. Um, and again, but I'm also bringing that back to to. Uh, to our collective, uh, our lack of collective action, uh, because uh, it doesn't need to be like like this. I mean, uh, uh, these social platforms that we are now totally dependent on, they don't have to be owned and controlled by a, a few uh, gigantic uh, corporations. I mean. Um, if we go back in the US 50 years ago, antitrust legislation would probably have broken uh, these companies up just like uh, they broke uh, Bell Corporation uh, up more than, more than 50 years ago. The problem here is sense-making again and the fact that not, not even the politicians or their experts are able to, to really understand what is, what is going on. And I mean, it's quite sad to see the, the Senate hearings with, with um, uh, uh, the senator 
there asking Mark, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, well, if, if, if your users don't pay you, how do you make money? <laughs> and, and Zuckerberg's answer, we sell ads, sir. Mm. Oh. <laughs> and that is the, then sort of the senator's expert committee uh, hearing who, sh who should regulate this or be in some sort of, of, of control. So, so, uh, so if we take that as an example of just a fairly simple technology as a social platform that, that you and I might even understand how, how that is functioning, at least in broad terms. I mean, if we come to artificial intelligence, I mean, I don't understand how that works. I don't, I don't think anyone really understands how it's really working when it reaches these sort of levels where it comes close to our human capacity. So uh, how, how can we still keep that somehow as a human tool and, and not losing control of it? Or that the unwanted effects of this uh, human tool has got catastrophic uh, externalities, a little bit like the social platforms have, uh, have today. So even if I might earlier have sounded quite positive about sort of artificial intelligence and so on, I'm, I'm not naive at all. And, and for this to end up in a disaster, where you, you don't need to have a science, uh, science fiction scenario where artificial intelligence is taking over the world. It might just be that when they are as powerful as Facebook is today, that that will be so bad for humanity if we don't get our act together and understand what this is about and have a view of how we should, how we should influence this process. And then I must say that your initiative here now with, with, with your association and with these podcasts, I mean, that's, I think, is exactly what we need. And, and that is to uh, start this sense-making discussion and trying to make sense around this and getting many perspectives on what, what is actually going on in this field. Uh, we're coming into the, the part of the, of, the, of the podcast where we, where we want you to play the game with us. So you will have to assume uh, 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 an anthropocentric AI for, yeah. for the purpose of the exercise. Yeah. Uh, we, we Before know we do that, uh, could, yeah. could I just Nicola, sure. make one final comment on that? And I think this is, this is good that you are taking this anthropocentric um, uh, view and, and that can put the, our fantasy in motion and we can see problems and things. So you should do that. But I'm just pointing out also that the, the fact that you are doing that and if we would all do that, that metaphor will actually influence yeah. how artificial intelligence is, uh, is developing. And as soon as we're starting to look at artificial intelligence uh, as some sort of uh, anthropocentric peer, then we have already put ourselves in a relationship yeah. to artificial intelligence that we might not want to be in. Of course, that's a risk. On the other hand, uh, uh, the abstraction of an algorithmic, I mean, if I, if I tell you, okay, the, 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 I mean, when, 
when I'm the interviewee in the podcast, I usually, uh, people ask me, when is artificial intelligence coming? I said, it's already here, the same way as you do. I don't yeah. use the same example. I use the, actually the example of the market. The mm -hmm. market is an hybrid artificial intelligence. Most of the market's decisions, I'm talking about the stock markets, mm -hmm. or the financial mm -hmm. markets, mm -hmm. uh, capital markets to be more precise. They are a form of artificial intelligence that is entirely out of control. There is not a single individual or even a single country that can actually assume that they have control of the market. Most of the decisions are taken by algorithms. Some of them are taken by, by, by humans, but there are very few. And, and this system that is not anthropos anthropomorphic rather than anthropocentric. Sorry, the anthropomorphic. The, 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 the system that is, not, that is not anthropomorphic is much more difficult to, to have a relationship with. And our premise, whether it's right or not, is that creating the relationship will democratize the use and the, and the way to, to influence because it gives access to, to, to more people who can actually influence that don't necessarily have to understand exactly how it works. Because as you said, if the first step to design and to influence is that you need to understand how it works, then I think we're screwed mm -hmm. because nobody understands how it works mm -hmm. and, and that's, that's the risk. So I would actually argue the contrary that making the assumption of an anthropomorphic AI gives us more possibility to test. And I, I'm not saying that we should do it live for everything, but to test what kind of behaviors and what kind of properties we want to have in an AI or in AI in general. And then of course you're right, you cannot apply the anthropomorphism to everything that is AI, but you need to start, I think, it, I think it's mature enough to start to see it as a human agent with the risks that you have by doing that mm -hmm. in order to to appropriate it to yourself because if you see it as a black box it's going to be much more difficult that's at least the premises that mm -hmm. that we have i usually like to to do analogies with, with with past events and and if we go back in history 50 years and we should talk to to labor unions and to politicians about the fact that we will have a mechanization of industrial work coming. And that, for example, in Sweden, the Volvo car plant will, will be uh, manned by robots in, in the future, which, it's, which it is now. Um, sh sh how should we have introduced these robots? And when we say the, the robots are coming into the, the workplace. And when we're talking with the management and politicians and with the workers, sh should we say, um, well, imagine now that there are coming 10 robots and you should work with the robots. What, what would be the first way you would relate to these? And what, what do you would want them to, to do? W would you want to drink coffee with them? And then you, you can see really the, the, the way that in scientific um, cartoons of 50 years ago, you, you would see sort of these robots that are working together and you would have three or four humans and then you would have the robots and they would look like humans and they would just take the jobs. And of course, that's not what happened. I mean, no. now we have the robots there, but they are not at all, you know, uh, like, like humans that we would probably have thought 
50 years ago, and especially if we were prompted in that way. So, so I think that, and I hope that still 50 years ago, we will have these robots everywhere, but they will, we will not relate to them as, as humans, and they will not have human capacities, and they will more, the relationship will more look like me as a factory worker on an assembly line where most of the work is done by robots. Let's go into the, 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 the rapid fire questionnaire yes. or questionnaire de Proust, as we say in, uh, in French. Yep. Uh, so, you know the rules. Uh, it's uh, rapid fire, what would you do if? Uh, we ask you to, for the purpose of the exercise, to assume some kind of, of anthropomorphic view of AI, yes. because that's the way it's been written. Yeah. Uh, so, if you were to educate an AI, what part of yourself would you want to, to transmit or to to uh, to to have? I I I would want to, I want to trans transmit my my analytical brain to uh, the 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 AI. I I would I I would because I, I regard that as a fairly function well functioning tool, even if I just said that the Enlightenment worldview is probably part of the problem. Uh, I, I would not uh, want to try to teach it or transfer uh, feelings to, 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 to the object, because I think that um, uh, we should know the flaws in the design of human beings. And we should make sure that we do not transfer the flaws to, uh, to AI. And our, some of our feelings, certainly some of our feelings are really flaws. And that could be feelings like uh, greed, competition, or will to power. I would certainly try to avoid uh, transferring anything like that. And probably that because of that, keeping completely outside of, of feelings and inner motivations. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go there. What, what role model would it be? If you had to give some kind of human, or it could be, it could be non-human actually mm -hmm. on this one. What kind of, if you want to educate uh, an AI should be like that. What, mm -hmm. what is the model you're thinking about? And, and sorry for then sticking on that side that I, I, I would rather trans transfer the, the, the brain of my boring accountant to the robot than trying to make robot into, into a, a, a mirror image of say Gandhi or something. I think that would be completely going uh, down a dangerous, a dangerous path. So that's great. That's, so the model that you want to do is your boring accountant. Yeah. No, no, no names name. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Well, <laughs> then, then the following question, I think, is, um, is uh, your answer is, is already obvious, but, but, but let me ask it. If we, you were to think of AI as a virtual alter ego, how would you appreciate its mindset, its inner self, so to speak? Yeah, uh, and and I uh, and I think again 
that we should try to keep uh, AI as a um, as a utility. So so I, so I would um, ap appreciate a a well functioning inner, but that would be very neutral. That 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 would not be programmed to have an inner life or have its own wish or its own volition. I think that would be uh, uh, the mistake. Even if we would try to make it benevolent, we would still make it volitional. And I think that that is the threshold we, should, we shouldn't pass. So just thinking of how can we program it benevolent, that, that I think would be a mistake. So if you were to talk and interact with an artificial intelligence, how would you like it to speak to you? Again, this is US, UX design. Okay, so yeah. we, 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 we shouldn't believe that this is anything more than UX design, but as long as it's UX design, user interface design, uh, I, I would want him, him or her to, to be friendly and uh, understanding and um, a bit discreet, perhaps like the stereotype picture of, of an English butler in the middle of the last century or something like that. A little bit in the background, but always there, but always friendly and, and, and uh, discreet. You're, pay you're playing the, 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 the game perfectly. So one last question from me is, uh, what song would you like it to sing to you? Oh, that would that would completely depend on my my mood. So, sometimes uh, when, when I'm when I'm in a, a sad mood, um, I I want to stay there. So then I would want it to to have a, an emotional support and and play, perhaps play a sad song for me. But then in other cases, and if this uh, artificial intelligence is intelligent enough and has read my patterns and done deep learning on me for a long time, it will recognize, probably before I know, that this time Thomas should not be in this melancholic state. This time he needs to change the mood. And then uh, the AI should play some pop music for me. And I should first react, no, what are you doing? But then come over my melancholic. Uh, state and say, well, that was very done, very well done. Thank you, Thomas. That closes the questionnaire. So, Marie. Uh... Yeah, um, about this questionnaire, I would like to better understand how you feel about it. And uh, could you explain how it meets or not your expectation about um, how we think of uh, artificial intelligence? No, I, I certainly think that it's um, a very good uh, uh, exercise. I mean, it's a good framework to, 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 to start thinking about these things in, in, uh, in, a, in a different way. And uh, I thought it was fun and, and, and creative to, to imagine these different uh, scenarios. So I, so I think it's a very good uh, tool to, to start uh, thinking about this. And is there a question that you would like to add to the questionnaire? Mm. Do, do you think the, 
AI will be sad if I switch him off before leaving the office? And if, if the answer to that is yes, then we have passed the line. We have a problem. Well, then we have a problem. <laughs> then we have a problem. Houston, we have a problem. So I think that's a, that could be a sort of a, a, a test. So if, if you imagine, if you come so far in your fantasy that you think that, yeah, if I switch him off when I leave the, the office, he might be, be sad or he might even care about that. If, if the AI, if we have programmed an AI to even have a capacity to somehow care about that, then we have programmed too much of, uh, uh, of our humanity in, into that AI for, for, for the good of society. So we have we had the Turing test before, now we have the Bjorkman test. Yeah, the that's Bjorkman the Bjorkman test. Is it's not... the sad AI. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Will the, the AI, AI be sad? sad? Then it has gone. So no, but, no, but seriously, seriously, it. because if it has been become sad, then, then of course it has reached a, a, a some sort of level where it might be wanting not to be sad, and and how should it do that? And how could and how could he or it manipulate me not to switch him off when when I I leave the office? And then we are into uh, thinking loops within the AI that we don't want to to create. So it's still, an, it's still an object, never a subject. Uh, exactly, it, exactly. We should we should not we should not program subjectivity in, into it. And I think that, that 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 could be a danger, especially if we want to be able to interact very uh, human to human. That that we might be tempted to program an embryo proto subjectivity into the the AI then of course the even more difficult question and this is completely beyond my even fantasy but I'm sure that people are thinking about that uh, and, and that is would it be possible that this sort of subjectivity would just spontaneously arise if you have enough processing power uh, available I would like to to go back to this um, this uh, coffee of uh, uh, workers and robots on a plant. Yeah, in the fifties. Uh, yeah. yeah, in the fifties, and uh, because um, I, I I was uh, while I was listening to you, I, I was thinking that um, maybe we we imagine this kind of thing and we use this metaphor because of the language issue that is at stake when you, we think of uh, artificial intelligence. What I mean is that when we use computers, we have these dialogue windows that are very frustrating because um, they told, tell us, uh, do you want to switch me on or off? <laughs> and that's all. I mean, um, you, you can't, if, if the, the machine doesn't work, it, it tells you, do you want me to try to restart or yeah. shut down? Yeah. And there is no third <laughs> way out yeah. of it. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes, um, and for now, chatbots are right at that point too. I mean, <laughs> do you want to buy a plane ticket or yeah. do yeah. you want to a refund? And there is, if you want something else, then you're 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 done yeah so 
but we, when we think of artificial intelligence, we, we think of um, an elaborate language that is possible. I mean, yeah. uh, chatbots are already very uh, doing an amazing mm -hmm. job. Mm. And so if we are to work less and work with uh, uh, mach uh, machines that are, that are able to talk, uh, to, 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 to use our own language, mm -hmm. yeah. and even to talk different languages, as mm -hmm. you said, mm -hmm. uh, then it's, it's so easy to step, to, to, to think of it as, um, as, as an, a subject. No, 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 no. And 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 maybe this this um, then we get back to 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 the anthropomorphic uh, conception of God also, right? Yeah. So because because God is language, God is resembles us, or because mm. God is language, we are given language and and we and we resemble Him. So um, or her. So mm. um, no, so yeah, I would yeah. like to 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 to. To know what you think about that, about the is is it really wrong to 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 think of this uh, um, of uh, of artificial intelligence in an an anthropomorphic way as a means to reflect on it? No, no, but I, or yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so so I I would just I would just say that that for a very long time still the language ability of artificial intelligence will just be a user interface. And, and, and that will be a specially developed user face interface. And that language could have a certain tone of vocabulary and it could be different languages or, or whatever. But that would be sort of just like the screen and the keyboard, it will be the user interface. The real artificial intelligence, the deep learning, that probably, or is already, I mean, that's one of the strengths of the, of the deep learning, that we shouldn't at all be modeling that uh, along the, the restrictions of the human mind. I mean, already today, deep learning can see multidimensional patterns that, that a human would not be able to see, and can therefore infer behavior and patterns uh, that we humans cannot. I think already now you, you can have an IER in interpreting uh, X-rays or MRI in, a, in ways, in more multidimensional ways than, than any uh, physician could, could ever do. So, so then you, you have sort of the engine of the artificial intelligence that you develop in one way, and then you have the user interface that, that you can do sort of as human-like as, as you want. But you shouldn't confuse those two. Further on, of course, this might merge. This might merge. And, and you, you could speculate how much this is merged in humans. And I think it's actually less merged than, than, we, would, than we would think. We probably have the same way of functioning with our intelligence and mind, that we have these deeper processing units and then the communication is through a special interface unit. And I think that's the way we should view the design of, of the uh, artificial intelligence. And then designing a too clever user interface could then perhaps even be, be too, um, be over smart. So that we are, so that we are as, as 
mortal human beings that we are starting even more to project and mm. and relate my my and and this might also be how how do we how do we interact with this at the beginning when this is a new technology and how do we interact uh, when it's a more mature uh, technology I, I could just mention a funny example in in the 60s when i when i was a small child i i had a grandmother's sister and this was when television was was new and we we had these uh, uh, male very handsome uh, news uh, presenters and she was quite lonely so she sometimes drank coffee with him with the tele with, with the television picture and today we would of course think that she was nuts but you know this was a new phenomenon and, and she she had a very pleasant uh, friend there always appearing at the same time in in the evening and she found some comfort uh, in in that so then translate that to uh, the 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 new alexa that might have uh, the shape of of uh, of a person like you and you start to interact but what, what was the film was it her her yeah her her, her. i mean that, that's uh, yeah uh, that's exactly the, the the same the same thing but uh, but today uh 50 years later thank you thank you thank you very much thomas mm -hmm. uh that concludes the, the the core of the of the interview again if uh, do you do you want to add something? Is there something you wish you had we had asked or that we missed? We we we, the, the, we passed many rabbit holes during our walk uh, during our walk this afternoon, and and uh, of course we should have perhaps gone down a few more of, of them, but that might be for, for for another occasion. Yeah, that will be for the for the follow up of the of the podcast. So uh, it's really up to us to thank you very much for your time and and your uh, and and accepting to be the first uh, the first of our guests and our, our guinea pig. Yeah, this was a, this was a very energizing and challenging ride. Thank you very much, Thomas. Thank you. It was fun. And uh, thank uh, you, Thomas. Thank you. And thank you for all of those listening.